When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Summer in New York City right now. It is. I feel like we are in that episode of Broad City where Abby low-key sexually assaults Seth Rogen's character. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, who can can say for sure if passing out from the heat moments before climax constitutes a proper sexual assault? Right in. Right into the pod. What do you think? Let us know what you think. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to be Seth Rogen, if you know what I mean, and just lay there. Because <laughs> I am horny, but um, but tired and hot. Mistakes. Ow. This is unbearable. <laughs> Are you? Not, is it so hot that you're not horny anymore? Yeah, it's just too hot. <laughs> I think because I have AC in my room, I'm still horny. But I don't think I'd be horny if this was my apartment, to be honest. So I get it. I remember being on the third floor in an apartment with no AC. I feel you. This is the third floor, right? Mm-hmm. Whew. This is some, like, classically New York temperatures in, in here. It is hotter in your apartment than it is outside. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, can't do anything about it, and it's driving me insane. (laughs) As she sips a hot cup of coffee. Stabilizes your temperature. (laughs) Okay, wow. Had that fucking ready to go. (laughs) Not defensive or anything. I I wasn't criticizing you. I'm hot. I'm going insane. I also drank hot coffee today, okay? In many ways, that might have been my mistake, though. (laughs) We'll see. When we get to that segment, we'll see if that officially makes the cut as my mistake of the week was hot coffee today. But it's feeling like it in this moment. Um, Anyway, (laughs) what's up, girly? (laughs) Um, Just uh, hot. And uh, that's it. Um, (laughs) That's your whole state of mind. That's truly my whole state of mind is that I'm really fucking hot. Yeah. So, and I would like to not be anymore. Yeah, I feel that. Did you order an AC? I did, and then Home Depot canceled the delivery, so I canceled the order. Um, So I'm waiting until our friend with a car gets back into town Mm. so I can make him drive me to the store to to buy one. And I famously do not have my car right now and cannot help in that situation. Yeah, it's okay. Maybe that's my mistake this week. We'll figure it out. (laughs) I let my roommate borrow my car being like, sure, what the fuck do I need my car for? And then I remembered literally the whole reason I have a car is for the summer to get to the beach. And um, how long do they have it for? Kind of indefinitely. Not like basically the the only like hard date that I gave my roommate to get my car back to me was when you and I leave for Vermont. Yes. I know that she's going to come back sooner than that, but I just don't know when yet. We haven't really discussed it. And I'm like, whatever. You take my car for as long as you need to, because for me, it's first of all, I just 
trust her and I'm happy to help her. Mm-hmm. But also I'm like, this is me. Um, this is an investment in future times to ask her to watch my dog. that's the barter system you can use my car um as long as i can use you to watch my dog so that's that it's important to have um a give and a take in every relationship i see every relationship is transactional so (laughs) something a little something about me um but yeah i when we went to the beach on Saturday and we took a cab, I was like, what a waste of a cab ride there and a cab ride back. Although I, it is what allowed me to do drugs while we were at the beach True. and that was fun. So that's fine, I guess. Um, although I did have a show right after that. I was still tripping while I performed and while it was fun and turned out fine, that could have been bad. So in a, in a way it would have been nice to have um, the excuse of like, well, I'm driving and then have been, you know, not tripping on acid while performing. <laughs> that probably would have been like the smarter thing to do, but you know, it all turned out fine. My performance was as if I wasn't on acid. I think yeah, I couldn't even tell. that's what happens when you've been doing something for eight years um you can just go ahead and be on drugs while doing it i think that also applies to things like surgery and law (laughs) so everyone feel free to take that all right for the listener at home we just turned the fan on and if the sound is lower quality yeah you can go fuck yourself You can um, blame me because um, if we didn't put it on, I was about to have a psychotic break. Blame our princess in a pee over here. Listen, I'm a, I am usually fine. I lived in Costa Rica during summer with no fan. I lived in Brazil with four other people in a room with no fan. I lived in, a, like this, a third floor Ridgewood apartment for a whole summer with no fan. Not even a fan. Not even a fan. We had one fan in... Our room in Brazil, I remember, but it was five bunk beds. So what didn't really help. Um, And yeah, in Ridgewood that summer, I had no fan. And I don't know how I did it. This sounds to me more like an excuse to brag about how cultured you are. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You're like, here are, all the, here are all the places that I sweat my little ass off. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this summer I cannot handle it. I think it's because last summer I had built-in AC in my entire apartment. Mm, central air? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That Ugh. was the trade-off. I lived in Crown Heights, but I did have central air. So. <laughs> that does seem to be the trade-off in general. Everyone yeah. I know with central air, it's like 10 minutes from any train. Yeah. Yeah, it was a 12-minute walk from both trains that were near me, but I had central air. But central air, yeah. If you have central air and you live near a subway stop, I'm like, okay, money bag. Okay, finance bro. Uh, but I might um, I might just have to like bite the bullet and just go find an AC tonight because I don't know that I can sleep again without a... AC. Do you have like a cart of any kind in this apartment? Anything with wheels? Yeah, we have a granny cart, but I don't know that an AC would fit in it. Huh. An AC probably the the size that you're trying to get would. Yeah, maybe. Oh, all right. We'll see. We'll see. But I might have to do that after we record. Yeah, you definitely don't. There's no reason to wait for a car. Uh, Yeah, I really don't want to. Oh, God, the woes, the woes of New York City during the summer, the ways that New York is mostly just like 
horrible conditions to live in and we all just trauma bond through it and we're like wouldn't live anywhere else wouldn't live anywhere else even though uh eight out of the 12 months are absolutely unbearable it's terrible but we have jacob reese beach and we have each other (laughs) and that's why it's worth it friends friends and fans of the pod I know it sounds, I feel like when you don't live in New York, the way people talk about New York that do live there is just full Stockholm Syndrome vibes, but um, that's how we like it. We're in denial. No need to snap us out of it. (laughs) (laughs) This is just the state of mind we're in. And anytime somebody tries to tell us that there are better places to live, we um, will snap at you and say, no, there aren't. I would never live anywhere else except LA when I'm 40. I really wouldn't live anywhere else but here. I'd rather be hot in my apartment here than hot in my apartment anywhere else. Yeah. So. I think I would live in LA, but as an older adult. I don't think LA seems that fun when you're young. But I don't know. When I watch Californication or Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, I'm like, I could be a 45-year-old in LA. (laughs) That seems like it's right for me. I'm living a girl's 20s and a girlfriend's guide to divorce 40s and 30s. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe those will be my um, Peace Corps years. Oh, do it. (laughs) I support that. Norway. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Should we do the, the stuff? Yes. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. My... Hot take of the week um, is more trans stuff because I saw on Twitter today that somebody posted an infographic. Um, wait, let me pull up the tweet, actually. Not an I, infographic. Because I did retweet it. Um, oh, so this person uh, tweeted... Just saw an Insta infographic that said, is it gender euphoria or are you just receiving basic respect for looking cis? Um, Mm. So, and then like went on to be like, shut the fuck up. Um, Which my hot take agrees with them. I think that is so dumb. And I've seen that before on Twitter, which is like, uh, like, People, other trans people getting mad at binary trans people who either like naturally pass or like work to pass as not looking visibly trans, which like, what does any of that even mean? (laughs) Um, But, you know, being read as whatever being cis means or looks like um, getting mad at those people and acting like it's some like self-hating complex or whatever, um, which I like think is such bullshit. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with being excited. If somebody doesn't know that you're trans right away um, or like any of it at all. Like if people perceive me as a woman, it's because I am one. Yeah. And it's not really, I don't really care what kind of woman they're perceiving me as. Usually they're perceiving me as a cis woman. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not taking away from anyone else's transness. So my hot take is um, shut the fuck up. Let people present how they want. Um, my mistake, what is my mistake? Um, I guess my only mistake, and it's not even really a mistake, but like just listening to myself more is that the other night when we all hung out and did acid at the beach and then went out to that backyard 
shindig. I really wanted to go home and just like wanted to be in bed, but I stayed out anyway because I like didn't want to be alone. Mm. But in retrospect, I probably should have just gone home at like midnight and gone to bed because I was really tired. Um, so that would be my mistake was not listening to myself. Um, Were there any ramifications to that mistake or just like? Yeah, I mean, it just like put me in a bad mood yesterday because then I was exhausted from having like stayed up until seven. And <laughs> I also like did more acid at the party, which I shouldn't have done. Um and, like, drank more than I should have. I just, like, ran my body a little bit ragged. Um, so that was definitely a mistake. Um, and what is my keepsake? I guess just, like, hanging out with my friends a lot. And it's summer. That was a keepsake. Like, going to the beach was really fun. Um, I got to hang out with a lot of people that I didn't know. Um, on acid. That was a keepsake. <laughs> You know, little pre-COVID experiences that we're having again. Yeah. That'd be the keepsake. Word. My mistake, you know, could be any number of things. Lending my roommate my car when I actually did need it. Not like that lending her the car is a mistake, but the reason that I let her take it was I just like truly didn't even think about that that means that I now just don't have a car Um, and was like, Uber, like I just spent a lot of money on Ubers since she's been gone. Yeah. In ways that I probably wouldn't have had to. Um, I guess I didn't have to take those Ubers either, but you know, anyone who lives in New York knows that getting to the beach not via car or bicycle is a fucking feat. And I do not ride a bicycle in New York City. I, you know, say whatever you will about that, but everyone I know that rides a bike in New York has been hit by a car at least once and I'm just not trying to be one of them. So no. <laughs> I don't I do not bike in this city and so therefore I have been Ubering to and from the beach um because it is fuck oppressively hot <laughs> and so I probably just should have thought of that before handing my car keys over um, yeah I guess another mistake was uh, anticipating that movie to be better than it was mm-hmm. I guess that's also a little bit of a hot take the movie Port Authority is not great really bad <laughs> Wanted it to be better, but it's kind of just a weird um, cis boy like fantasy movie. Like what? What would you? What? What was the term that somebody like that article called it? Oh, you remember what I'm talking about? The Rod, the Roger Ebert article I sent you. I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't just, read. I didn't read the whole thing. It just said that it like was a movie about his enlightenment. Right, enlightenment. Yeah. yeah, a cis boy enlightenment movie more than it was like a trans experience movie and that was just yeah. kind of a bummer cuz we're over that. <laughs> that was a very 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 bad movie. Yeah. My keepsake um was when we went to my show in Central Park that I did on Saturday night. Um the show itself was really fun. And it was my first time doing stand-up since I started doing stand-up again that I actually enjoyed. Like, I've done, like, three or four shows now um, in the last, like, month and a half. I've been getting back to it real slowly. I'm not trying to throw myself at it quite yet because I've just been enjoying the break, to be honest. But I do want to get back into it. But my first, like, two or three shows back were not fun at all and had me worried that I 
don't like doing stand-up anymore. Mm-hmm. And this show definitely reminded me that I love it and that I'm good at it and it's fun. So that was a keepsake. And also, uh, I met a listener of the pod at the show. Shout out to Brittany. Thanks for saying hi. Um, that meant a lot. I love that people listen to this podcast. And it was just sweet to be um, approached in the wild about it. Um, and my hot take, <laughs> my hot take is what we were texting about the other day, that we need to end the beautiful day industrial yes. complex. Very here for that. Just because the sun is out doesn't mean that I need to go do shit. Okay, we can we can lay in bed and have a low key indoorsy day, even when it's gorgeous outside. Yeah, especially like when it's spring and summer. It's like it's gorgeous outside pretty much every day. Yeah, (laughs) like and I'm done with like being mad at myself for not taking advantage of the gorgeous days also sometimes we like call a day a gorgeous day and really all that means is that the sun is out but it's like a day like today where it's like oppressively humid and hot and to be honest that's not that gorgeous of a day it's still an extreme weather condition that i'm not really trying to put my body through yeah and i'm not into it (laughs) unless like you know those can be fun days at the beach but like i'm not trying to go to the beach every single day you know, some people are. That's fine. Yeah. But that can be a little bit exhausting for me. No, these are like the Hey Arnold episode days. Do you know that episode I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it's so hot and he goes to buy the bag of ice and then it immediately melts. Yes. Like that, the, that kind of day. Yeah. Like, it's and too much. It's just, I'm I'm not trying to be mad at myself for not, like, going to the park or, like, you know, going out on a patio with my friends every time the sun is out. I just can't do it, Okay. Um, and this is mostly because on Saturday or no, on Sunday, I had a very like low key day that for part of the day, I felt really down on myself for like seeing how, how like sunny and beautiful it was outside and not feeling compelled at all to go outside. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you dumb bitch, you need to go outside and enjoy it. Cause there's also this weird, like, you know, we are held hostage by the horrible weather in New York during the winter. Yeah. So the summer we feel like this weird compulsion to like, Sees the beautiful days. And you know what? (laughs) These are just as bad in the opposite direction sometimes. (laughs) This is just as bad as like, as cold as it can get here. It was almost 100 degrees on um, Saturday or Sunday. And I don't know. Other places are like 100 degrees. That's nothing. We get that all summer. And great. That's good for you. I also wouldn't want to go outside wherever you live where that's happening. So Yeah, no, thank you. It's also like exceptionally humid in New York City in a way that I feel like other places that technically get hotter don't really recognize that like we are this like concrete box that like traps the heat and humidity in in a way that is like a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you're right. You're Southern experience is probably much hotter whatever that's why I don't live there um but I do live here and when it gets to 100 degrees in New York City with like 80 percent humidity I want to fucking die yeah it's terrible and I'm gonna stay inside that was my other mistake too was just doing acid in New York City the other night it's just like really put me in a mood where I'm like 
I love New York so much. Don't get me wrong. I don't ever want to live anywhere else, but we live on a concrete island full of roaches and rats. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The number of roaches we saw while we were on acid, I was like, I'm not even like, I wish I was tripping and seeing these roaches just in my brain, but they are just out. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) The roaches are really... Well, I mean, this is their prime. I know. No, I temperature and humidity yeah, right now. It's just oof. I haven't really. I've done acid in New York a, quite a few times, but like only like in, like either at the beach where I like came down from the acid before I got back to the city, or like in Central Park where again it was the same scenario. Yeah. Or like during the winter in a museum. That was a lot. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. It's my concrete jungle where dreams are made of. What is it? Yeah. Okay, great. Where dreams are made of? Where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. Yeah. I just feel like that doesn't make sense lyrically. Concrete jungle where dreams are made would make sense, but made of? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Alicia, Jay Z, come on the pod. Yeah, Alicia, come on. Let's talk about it. I don't understand (laughs) that lyric. Um, what's the fake lyric that everyone says? Concrete, wet dream, tomato. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Concrete, wet dream, tomato. I think that, I think that makes even more sense than where dreams are made of. That's the name of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, concrete, wet dream, Dream tomato tomato. does kind of summarize how I currently feel. (laughs) (laughs) That's my current state. I am a concrete, wet dream, tomato. All right. I love that. Um, um, what was the fuck up of the week? Fuck up of the week. I'm just trying to think of like what has happened between <laughs> Ellie Kemper and now. Uh, she apologized. What did she? What was her apology? I will pull it up. I saw it today. It's on Instagram. It's like a bad notes app apology. Or like it's not bad. It's just like whatever. Um, okay, so she said. She apologized seven hours ago. She said, hi, guys. When I was 19 years old, I decided to participate in a debutante ball in my hometown. The century-old organization that hosted the debutante ball had an unquestionably racist, sexist, and elitist past. I was not aware of this history at the time, but ignorance is no excuse. I was old enough to have educated myself before getting involved. I unequivocally deplore, denounce, and reject white supremacy. At the same time, I acknowledge that because of my race and my privilege, I am the beneficiary of a system that has dispensed unequal justice and unequal rewards. There's a very natural temptation when you become the subject of internet criticism to tell yourself that your detractors are getting it all wrong. But at some point last week, I realized that a lot of the forces behind the criticism are forces that I've spent my life supporting and agreeing with. I believe strongly in the values of kindness, integrity, and inclusiveness. I try to live my life in accordance with these values. If my experience is an indication that organizations and institutions with pasts that fall short of these beliefs should be held to account, then I have to see this experience in a positive light. I want to apologize to the people I've disappointed, and I promise that moving forward, I will listen, continue to educate myself, and use my privilege and support of the better society I think we're capable of becoming. Thanks for reading this. All right. Yeah. I mean, that seems legit to me. Yeah. I mean, like, whatever. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like. 
Uh, I wouldn't have even said anything if I was her, to be honest. I'm not saying that what she did wasn't, like, weird and fucked up, but it's, like, it didn't even really get that much backlash. It was, like, mostly on Twitter. There were, like, very few articles written about it. Yeah. So I feel like if that were me, I just would have ignored it. But, yeah, it's, like, a cool apology. It's just, like, at this point, I don't know. Every time I read these celebrity apologies, I'm like, okay, and? Yeah, I mean, ultimately... She was 19. It was 1999. There are a lot of things, both as a person and culturally, that have changed since then. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, just our cultural awareness of that kind of stuff. Who knows? I mean, if she did know it was a super racist pageant at the time, then fuck that. But I kind of do believe that she didn't know. Yeah, I mean. But... Like she said, that's no excuse. So I think it's a good apology. I don't know. It's not my apology to really accept, but whatever, Ellie Kemper. <laughs> you do you, girly. Um, your publicist did a great job writing that apology. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I guess the other fuck up of the week that I can think of was that New York Times opinion piece about like cutting out friends after the pandemic. Oh, yeah. I didn't read that, but I saw a lot about that. And it I didn't ridiculous. read it in full, but like really it boiled down to like that. This is a great opportunity to cut down your social circles to just your true friends, because we haven't seen all these people in our lives for so long. So now is as good as like the best time to like really think about who to put your energy into. Mm-hmm. And that I don't disagree with, but some of the like some of the the, the like the heart of the piece seemed to be like, let's have less friends than we did before the pandemic, like because most of your friends are fake anyway. So like just be just find your true people and stick to them. And I'm like, listen, I've definitely cut out people because of the pandemic, giving me kind of the opportunity to cut people out, mm-hmm. but not for the sake of like, because I want less friends. <laughs> I just feel like, like, that's a weird message to have. Yeah, I mean, it, like, I don't know. It's all fucking weird. It kind of falls into, for me, to the same, like, group of thought, school of thought of people who say, like, that it's, it's so difficult to make friends as an adult. Yeah, and, and it's like, like no, no, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> it's actually way fucking easier. If you can't make friends as an adult, that's sad. Sorry. And, like, yeah. figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the key ingredients to making friends as an adult is having friends who also like to make friends. Oh, yeah, totally. And so there are some people that are kind of in this like rut of like people who just kind of have their routines and they're like they're people that they see and they are not really trying to make new friends. And if you are the only person in your group of friends who wants to make new friends, it can be very hard to do so. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of the people who have trouble making friends are also people who turn down invitations to things. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of valid reasons why it can be overwhelming to accept invitations to things out of your comfort zone. But that is probably part of it. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Get over the discomfort or you're not going to make friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've never related to it. I've, I've since being an adult, I've made more friends than I ever did as a adolescent. Same. Yeah. That's Um, why I really do not agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And I also just like, I think that yes, the pandemic is a great time to analyze who of your friends before the pandemic were like positive influences and positive people in your circle. But to me, the answer isn't cut those people out. And now you have this exclusive smaller circle. To me, it's like cut those people out and like make new friends. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't, I mean, whatever. People who want a small circle of friends do you. Well, of course, but... it's someone like writing for the New York Times opinion section. <laughs> like, obviously, you don't have friends. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's also, it cannot be um, understated that you and I are both extroverts, and it's much easier for extroverts to make friends. My introverted friends definitely have trouble with that. And that's not like, you know, their fault. That is a personality type for sure. Yeah. We've been, we've been blessed with that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but also we want more friends as extroverts and introverts don't necessarily feel called to have as many friends. I feel like so it evens out. Yeah. I am. I don't know extroverts. (laughs) You don't know extroverts? Like I don't really have, or introverts rather. So I just don't. I can't really, I can't really empathize with um, not being able to. Do you uh, discriminate against introverts? Yeah, I can't stand. <laughs> I have, I have just always found that every every friend I've ever had who has described themselves as an introvert has just been a cunt um, <laughs> and has had like really bad social skills. Um, I know there are actual introverts out there that are very cool people, but again, yeah. the introverts I have met have just been like annoying people to be around who call themselves introverts. Um, and usually I'm like, you're not an introvert. You just have anxiety and you're boring. So. <laughs> mm, okay. I definitely think the same thing can be said about extroverts. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. They're just annoying. But I agree. yeah, I guess. I know I'm friends with a lot of introverts. I like introverts a lot because they don't mind when I talk a lot because mm. they don't do as much talking. <laughs> That's not the only reason I'm friends with introverts, <laughs> to be clear. But I find there is a compatibility there where they like. They like that I'm my rambunctious self. There isn't competition for that, you know, mm-hmm. like there is with you and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where we're fucking fighting for the t- for the crown, you know. No, it's like that Mean Girls scene where we just split it up and we each have a piece of the crown. Of the crown, yeah. <laughs> Share it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we snap this plastic crown. <laughs> Damien gasps. <laughs> um. So this episode... We're talking to YouTuber um, Nisi Pisa, a.k.a. our friend Nisa, who is an absolute gem of a person. You may know her YouTube videos where she window shops on um, random like fast fashion websites and gives commentary on the items she finds. And they are so funny. And I see people... Like my mutuals that don't, that are not friends with Nisa, like talk about those videos. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know her. That's my, that's my friend with her amazing YouTube video idea that I feel like other people are stealing. I don't know if it was her idea, but she does it the best. Um, such a delight to talk to. Yeah, it was a fun episode. Yeah. And um, always a pleasure to have somebody who is funny, but in a different performance realm than us Mm -hmm. on um she's yeah the youtube world is fascinating to me i've always wanted to be a youtuber kind of but just can't like get over the you know hey everyone (laughs) like and subscribe and when people can figure out how to do that gracefully and in a funny way i Worship the ground they walk on. And he says, one of those people <laughs> where not a single thing she's done on YouTube has made me cringe. And I'm like, how do you do it? How does she do it? Um, but yeah, I'm chronically addicted to YouTube and she's one of the best. So get into it. Get into it. Wait, speaking of New England. 
you're Always. in Boston. Are we all from New England? Yeah, I think so. Wait, are you? You're from Massachusetts, you're from right? Massachusetts, born and raised. Cool. Uh, yeah. Where? Um, right around Oak Square is where I was birthed. Okay, sick. Ooh. I spent a lot of time, and I'm from Providence, right? So my like way of like telling my parents to fuck off and be cool is that I would like take the commuter rail at like 13 to different parts of like off of the commuter rail and not tell anyone. Oh, I spent I a lot that. of time at house parties in Sharon, Massachusetts, <laughs> which for a minute was like the suicide capital of that part of Massachusetts. Was it actually? Yeah, it was oh, like 2008, 2009 were not great years for the youth of Sharon, Mass. Um, which is weird because it's it's like a gorgeous wooded town full of like Victorians with all this sadness Um, but I do love Boston it's so it's it's a really charming place and I do find that like there is a sort of melancholy among like teenagers who grow up in like these what are actually very idyllic parts of Massachusetts like you said it's like you see these teens who are very bored of living there and it's like you don't know that you're currently living in a Sarah Dessen novel and you're blessed to have that privilege exactly how I would describe it I think all of New England is kind of cursed with that though it's like the American dream kind of idyllic location but if you grow up there it's like hell on earth yeah yeah but then you grow up and learn to appreciate it yeah Sharon is an interesting place I remember being at a house party and um calling making my mom or trying to make my mom come pick me up because I like wasn't really a bad kid yet I had like would drink a little bit but these kids were like two years older than me and were like making out in this like refurbished barn in this girl's <laughs> yard and I was like I you're like having sex and like smoking weed um so I made her dad drive me home all the way back to Providence oh my How god it was like an hour and a half and it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like I'm sorry but I like Liz I'm having a panic attack I have to go some girl like sat on my lap and was like want to make out and I was like I gotta get out of here <laughs> so we have this segment at the beginning of each episode that we do in the intros so for this episode we'll have already done ours but we want to hear yours so the the segment is called mistakes keepsakes and hot takes in the like you know in the last week what was something like a little bit of a you know not necessarily it doesn't have to be a mistake but like a fuck up or something you wish went differently keepsake is the opposite of that something you're glad happened and then just an unrelated hot take that you need to get out there I know you put all your your hot takes on the internet anyway but we want to hear them Unfortunately, yes, I do. But here's the thing. I approach <laughs> I approach all things in my adult life with the same feared, feverish veracity that I approached all of my AP literature homework when I was in high school. So I did actually take notes on what to bring to this podcast <laughs> in my gratitude journal. Oh, I love you. Which for those listening is floral. And I did find it in a box outside of an apartment building I used to live near. Wait, so. real quick. What's your sign? I am a Pisces Sun Taurus Moon Scorpio Rising. Oh, I'm also a Scorpio Rising. Oh, we Scorpio love that. Moon Scorpio Rising. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so we're seeing the Taurus jump out a little yeah. bit right now with mm-hmm. these notes. Okay, love that. <laughs> so my mistake does uh, require a little bit of background information. 
So I spend an unfortunate amount of my time on the uh, iPhone application TikTok. <laughs> That's what my mistake this week was. <laughs> it's um, for those uninitiated, it's a video sharing application. And what people do on it a lot is there'll be, there'll, these, there'll be these audios they will lip sync to, and the audios might carry a certain connotation, a certain joke, what have you. And there was this one, and I'm not going to go into intense detail about it, but the joke of the audio is that people were talking about like a character or a person or a celebrity that they find attractive for some reason. They put up a picture of them that's kind of normal. And then a second picture of that where they look hot or attractive as kids say, I'm told. And mm -hmm. I <laughs> made a TikTok in response to that because I saw some people doing one about like a YouTuber. And as a person who makes YouTube videos, I always bristle a little bit whenever people get like a little bit too thirsty about YouTubers. I'm not, you know, to each their own. We're not, I'm not here to be that level of Massachusetts Puritan, but you know, it's something I said. In the audio, I get thirsty about uh, Curtis Connor specifically, but he has a long-term girlfriend, so I feel like it's okay. I just love we, his little mullet and his little jokes. He is my... <laughs> we went to the same One Direction concert once that I knew he was there, Stop. and I was like, Curtis Connor is here. You did? <laughs> we went to the same Toronto... One Direction concert back when he was a Vine star and I was like Curtis Connor is here right now and then he said he was going to meet up with his fans after the One Direction concert and I was like am I really going to be that girl that goes to a One Direction concert and then meets my favorite Vine star afterwards <laughs> um, so I didn't do it but I like you know it was enough for me to know he was there continue sorry to interrupt no, but that's, that's my one thirsty for YouTubers exception that I make he is my favorite white boy that's fine <laughs> Um, yeah, including, <laughs> including the one I'm literally dating at present, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's so acceptable, I think. <laughs> so in the audio, it's from the children's television show chowder. Uh, the character says the phrase pretty please in the sort of like syrupy, almost seductive voice, but not really because it is a children's show. I was imitating mm. the way that was said and it goes kind of like, um, pretty please. Like in that sense. Mm. And I didn't expect this to happen, but now the entire comment section of that TikTok, or at least a third of it, is like 17-year-olds talking about their mommy issues in response uh. to me saying it like that. Uh, and they're like, could you say the, could you say pretty please again like that? So. Uh, say crack again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been something I'm dealing with. <laughs> Wow. Kinda. Yeah. See, that's the problem with TikTok is that maybe I'm not as on YouTube as you are. I'm a YouTube consumer, but I'm, I don't make YouTube videos. Um, and so maybe YouTube is similar. But for me, uh, TikTok is the main social media platform that we are forced to interact with literal children on oh, yeah. in a way that I like it makes me very uncomfortable to know that videos I'm making on TikTok could be seen by minors. And yeah. I just hate that. I oh, have yeah. not really been able to get into TikTok. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a healthy response. I, I guess I, I, I do like the teen thing. I get it. Cause I, I like, I was so high the other night and I 
like accidentally ended up in a rabbit hole of the teenage side of Twitter for the first time. Ooh, ooh, it's a dark place. And I was like, oh, 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 like get me out. Like I couldn't find the way out. And it was, um, I'll just say teenagers today suck. (laughs) They're so fucking annoying. We were so much, how old are you? I'm 26. Okay. So we're all basically the same age. We Mm. were fucking way cooler than these teenagers today. We weren't I mean, talking I about, about that. We weren't talking about age gaps. <laughs> I don't know. I oh, think Lord. we were. I wasn't. I was fucking people who were like 10 years older than me and like yeah. doing drugs. And these <laughs> kids are like on Twitter talking about age gaps and... Yeah, but that's like, a, that's one type of teenager on the internet. The yeah, well, other type of teenager on the internet is like, euphoria is my life. <laughs> those ones I like. Those ones my I relate to. same experience as euphoria. I mean, that's what I was like as a teenager. So those ones I like. I'm like, you're dark. Something's going on. You're going to be cool one day. <laughs> Do you have a lot of teen subscribers? I have a growing, uh, a growing sort of subset of my audience that is teenagers. I periodically check my YouTube analytics, um, and it has a demographical breakdown by age. It used to be when I first started making videos in the first year or so that my largest demographic was like 25 to 35, and I was fine with that. Then like a year mm-hmm. or so ago, it shifted down to the coveted 18 to 24. So <laughs> Ooh, like, that's our demographic for the pod. Yeah. 18. and so now i have a very small like 13 to 17 percentage that's growing steadily every like couple of months and me being on tiktok absolutely exacerbates that um and when that first started happening i was like i don't care teenagers are the ones that buy merch this is good for me business-wise but now i i just sort of think back to (laughs) when i used to teach and actually interact with teenagers and it's like i don't know i don't know if i'm yeah. the best person to guide the youth of tomorrow. I did quit teaching after all. So I, um, it should be said that you and I know each other because we were teenagers on the internet yep. at one point in our lives. And we met on Tumblr uh, when we were uh, 15, yep. <laughs> I, um, which I cherish. So that's how we know each other. <laughs> Good. I understand the anxiety of the teenager scenario as someone who used to teach. I did like a few summer teaching jobs and one of my earliest subs on OnlyFans um, is a current 19 year old who I was like mentoring in an after school program when he was 16 years old. And he was like my literally first subscriber. And I was like, I need money. So I was like, what do I do here? <sighs> um, luckily, he has not resubscribed. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Your money is good for me. You're 19. Whatever. So it's technically fine. I, yeah. I wasn't. I'm not going to fuck him. But <laughs> I was like, you know what, babe? You're clearly you already know what OnlyFans is. So your cash is green. Yeah, here. exactly. But <laughs> I was so I was like, oh, my God, please. I literally remember like having a conversation with him about why going to college is important. Like, oh, that is ugh. so wild. Imagine <laughs> trying to explain that scenario to like, I don't know, like a 50s school marm, sort of like <laughs> one room schoolhouse. It's like I in mean, the new like- millennium, this might be a thing. <laughs> My OnlyFans, like, hero, the person who I'm the, I, like, look up to as an OnlyFans creator is not Nika, (laughs) (laughs) is is the girl I used to babysit. She's now 19 and is, like, fucking killing it on OnlyFans in a way that I 
truly will never be able to emulate. But I'm like, I was the first person to tell you that the universe is ever expanding. And look at you taking advantage of that very notion, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, that's, that's very po- that's poetic, I would say. Um, yeah, it's, I'm very, uh, I'm proud of her, but it is like a weird thing to be yeah. like, interesting. Anyway, so... That was your mistake. What was, was your keepsake this week? So my keepsake was a cute little thing that my roommate, who was also my best friend, and I did. So we ordered Chinese food the other night because we're just like two hot gals in the city. And sometimes we just <laughs> don't have time to cook. And <laughs> <laughs> so it came with some fortune cookies. And we had one fortune cookie left yesterday afternoon. And we were just sitting on the couch together. And I suggested that we open the fortune cookie together. Like we each pull half of it, like we're in Freaky Friday. And whatever's inside of it is our joint fortune for the year of 2021. Unless, of course, we don't like what it says, then all of, of this course. is bullshit and magic isn't real. So Exact same uh, philosophy with astrology. Mm-hmm. Yes, truly. So we opened it up <laughs> together and I wrote down what it said. The fortune said, happier days are definitely ahead for you. Struggle has ended. Oh, so that was wow, our that's joint beautiful. fortune. Yeah, I love that. She oh my made... gosh, can you imagine if twenty twenty one actually delivered? Uh, listen, <laughs> it doesn't, I... look, doesn't look promising so far, but the night is young, you know. One yeah. can only fucking hope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a beautiful. I am very. I love fortune cookies, even though um, sometimes you know you open them and all of them are the same because you just got like the same batch. And I'm right. like, whatever. That that in itself means something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's the one mysticism that there is like true proof that it is just a capitalist like ploy. But I still love it. Oh yeah, I like choosing to believe in things that I don't sometimes yeah, I just if it makes you feel that's good what, that's yeah. how every belief system is about you cherry Literally. pick exactly. you cherry pick what you like you ignore what you hate as a former and currently recovering roman catholic it's <laughs> truly how catholicism works for most of us yeah um so what's your hot take so my hot lay take it on us is that it's uh, as most things are about me specifically I need to realize that telling myself that I am not feeling my feelings doesn't mean that I am actually not feeling them. Mm. I'm very much obsessed with the idea of training my brain to behave in certain ways. You know how there's that phenomenon that's like, if you tell yourself that you're like cool and hot and sexy and beautiful and attractive and endearing, you will live in. Exactly. That is something that I have done for myself. So I'm like, if I tell myself anything, I will eventually start to believe that thing. But what I'm realizing is there are some things that are not like that Um, yeah that's that's sometimes just repression exactly and (laughs) what brought me to this is that I'm currently (laughs) grappling with romance for the first time in my adult life or my life at all period so (laughs) (laughs) because we are living in a pandemically saturated society there are certain uh milestones of dealing with like a first romance that I can't experience in the same way. So instead of just coping with that and trying to find like a way around it and trying to accept the way that the situation is, I'm like, well, if I can't experience this exactly how I've assumed I would, it's not actually happening. And I don't really feel the way that I feel. And I'm just going to shut all of that down. And that's not how the heart works. Yeah. I mean, that's a literally suppression yep um, <laughs> repression yeah but I, I get it I think we've all been there yeah totally I mean I 
very often feel um, in relationships like so many people have like lived with a partner before. I've never like lived with a romantic partner. And in that way alone, I often feel very like threatened by the fact that I'm like experiencing some firsts with a person that they might not be experiencing with me. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so I get very like I overcompensate by then not letting myself even feel the joys in those first sometimes because I'm Mm. like embarrassed that it's my first and not theirs. Okay, you're literally the girl from to all the boys I've ever loved. To all the boys I've loved before in the second in the second (laughs) one. That's her whole problem. You're right. That is, is that, her. I yeah. should have watched that. That movie should have come out when I was like 16 and I first ever felt this way because my first serious relationship was when I was 16 and he dated one of my former best friends for three years before we dated each mm. other. So like I was very much not his first serious relationship. And I think that's where that first started, that yeah. feeling of like I'm playing catch up in relationships. So I do understand what you mean. Probably not the exact same experience, but the same feeling, you know? No, that's the exact same thing. It's it's very bizarre. Like, I sort of feel like I have to constantly apologize for, like, not behaving correctly in a situation because I assume everyone else, like, knows better than me and I, like, just got to the party and I don't oh, know the etiquette no. of it yet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, but, like, that's honestly, I mean... I told like I like I just said I feel that way constantly so I get it but as somebody who now has dated a few people I can say that that actually just makes you like you're not damaged goods yet Uh (laughs) most people with their past relationships what they learn from it isn't like necessarily like not a healthy thing usually they took away something kind of toxic and bring that into a new relationship you know um, so I think yeah. you're probably actually doing better <laughs> than most people and you don't even Lord, realize it. I hope so. Good God. That'd be really <laughs> I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, girl. So I hear you. I've been in one actual relationship and it was not serious. So I think you're doing better than you probably think. But just feel 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 excited. Firsts are exciting. Yeah. See, that's another aspect of it that I'm trying to tell myself is like, I get very wrapped up in the distant future of things. And so Mm. there's been many times, like I've been involved with this person since June of this, of the accursed year. And (laughs) I keep thinking like, oh my God, what if I, what if like, this is it? Like, is this the person that I'm going to marry? Is this the person that I'm going to Mm. like die with? It's like, girl, maybe you could just enjoy like, the socially distanced walk in the park you're going on right now. Maybe you don't need to concern yourself with 35 years down the line. You can just enjoy the feelings that you're feeling right now. You know, the space temporally you're occupying at this moment mm-hmm. that you have to continue occupying. So I have <laughs> yeah. to bring it's myself back though. from the time I mean, machine. Yeah, that's- we don't live in a culture that allows us to do like even love in this culture is like very capitalist. So it's, it's all about goals, it's all about goals and planning and next steps. And even know? like some of the more healthy outlooks we have on love as a culture are still kind of weirdly like goal oriented. It's about like how to make it work rather than just like how to enjoy each other right now. It's mm-hmm. all like, I don't know. It's very wrapped up in this, in this, ultimately like 
very outdated prism that we need to be with one person forever, um, which we're all stuck in that framework, I think, in a lot of yeah. ways. Even the people who claim to not be. it's There's like this little thing in the back of your mind of like, what if this lasts forever and they're my soulmate and it's like maybe but fucking chill it's a classic mistake honestly is to like project too far in the future I'm definitely doing that right now in a very new situation I'm in with someone and I'm like calm down Anya (laughs) (laughs) get out of it like just enjoy this person enjoying you yeah (laughs) that's um, the best part of a relationship is when someone else likes you i don't relate to either of you because i'm (laughs) shut down i'm shut down and closed up for (laughs) shop shops closed uh don't knock on the door (laughs) are you back never are you sort of in one of those phases where you're like deciding to shut down for a period of time yeah well so like the end of the summer i had this moment I was with Anya. Acid was involved. Um, we were hiking we on were acid. Hiking on acid. Oh, and God I, bless. I had a yeah. moment where I was like, oh, wait, I like don't want to be in a relationship with anyone. I don't want to date anyone. I want to be single for the foreseeable future. And I just want to fuck and like have little romances. Um, but now I've gone to the extreme end of it where I'm like, actually, I don't want to know anyone. Like, I don't. <laughs> I deleted my apps. I don't want to flirt with anyone. I um, Yeah, no, I don't even I don't even want someone to touch me right now. <laughs> so which is funny because um, that's where I was this summer when you yeah. had that realization. I was describing to you basically mm-hmm. that feeling and being like, this is how I feel. And then you were like, oh, maybe that's how I feel. And then <laughs> since that conversation, it's like a switch flip. Yeah. It's like the movie. Um, what movie were they? Or it's like Freaky Friday. Yeah, Freaky Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Where, like there's like your desire to be in a relationship like transferred into my body. <laughs> And I have ever since, like truly since that hike, been like, I want love. Yeah. And I want it bad. And I did not feel that way at all before that. So kind of horrifying, honestly. I hate it. Yeah. It's new. I, um, I also, I mean, I am... D- d- People who have been listening know that I have talked a lot about being in love with someone, but it's like a lot of like normal people yearning um, and I've just gotten really over it. So now I'm especially closed up. Yeah. I'm like, let's just shove that into a paper bag. Yeah. God, Elisa. No, it was my phone. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I have the notifications on for the pizza. Oh, okay. In case they call. We ordered a pizza. (laughs) Oh, behind the scenes. I wish I'd gotten a heads up. I would have also ordered a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to eat it during this, but, you know, just so that by the time this is done, we'll be eating pizza. We're not going to eat pizza in front of you. That would be. (laughs) (laughs) Elisa does a YouTube video and cancels us. Yeah. We're eating pizza in front of her. We forced a mukbang on you. (laughs) We were like, sorry. Listener mistakes. Okay, so um, we, I mean, since you took notes, I guess you already know this, but we always read a listener mistake. Um, So I'm just going to, it's a quick one. It's a tweet, not an email. So it's really quick. And we're all just going to kind of have a quick reaction to what I think is a tale as old as time is this mistake um, that. But is it a uh, tune as old as song as well? (laughs) I mean, that's for you to decide. You let me know. Okay. 
Um, this is from Sebastian. Um, and uh, their mistake goes a little something like this. <laughs> um, typical trash. But this one time at a work Christmas party, I was sitting across a co-worker I didn't often talk to. While trying to make small talk, I mentioned to her how I had seen the email announcement this week and congratulated her on the pregnancy. She wasn't pregnant. Um, so, and then I, I asked a follow-up question, which was like, was there an email from someone else or did you just like misremember altogether? So apparently there was a different pregnant coworker and this oh, one yikes. just looked more pregnant. And so that's why he thought it was her. <laughs> oh, <God>. uh, <laughs> oh no. Um, and this is like a classic, you know, like we've all heard a version of this story before, but the reason I decided that this was a good one to share on the pod is because this is one of those types of things that if you've said this or anything similar to someone, it's one of those memories that like hits your full body right as you're falling asleep yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yep. And I just, I wanted to kind of put it out into the world that you're not alone, whoever related to this. Um, we've all kind of firmly put our foot in our mouths at one point. Not oh, really, yeah. but shut the fuck up. Oh, I, <laughs> a portion of my mistake that we'll get into later is me doing that sort of thing where I just say something awful about a person physically without realizing it. Yeah. Um, my version is, I don't even remember this, but it's like, you know, when you say something or do something stupid as a child, it'll haunt you forever. Cause your family thinks it's so funny and brings it up all the time. Has mm -hmm. that ever happened to anyone? Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, when I was like four or five, I just looked my cousin dead in the eyes and said, you're not as fat as my dance teacher. Oh, God. Anya. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Um, and that will probably follow me for the rest of my life. And I don't even remember it. And I cringe at it because they all decided it was really important. I know I did that. So, yeah. Do you think anyone's nope. family has ever tried to like do a sort of invented memory on them and told <laughs> someone about an embarrassing thing they did when they were too young to remember that never actually happened? That's as a like good a, experiment to try. That's an awful thing to do. But mm. I do have young nieces, so I might just add it to the old to-do list. <laughs> Traumatized nieces. My seven-year-old. memories. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Pencil it in for Wednesday. Love it. Check. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry, Sebastian. That sucks. Um, and I'm sure she thinks about it just as often as you do. Yeah, you <laughs> probably ruined this woman's self-esteem, but it's fine. You know, we all make mistakes. I've been on the I've been on the receiving end of weird shit like that before, where someone you can just see in the moment that they're realizing they're saying the like the absolute wrong thing to you and i think often my empathy for how embarrassed they are takes over how the comment makes me feel does that yeah, make sense that makes perfect sense so I, I will say I was i was mostly joking i bet she probably felt worse for you in that moment than she felt for herself unless it was like a really sore subject for her but I think we all know that's such a mortifying thing to do yeah that I would be like "Ooh, that sucks for you dude that you just said that to me but I don't know I'm not her anyway <laughs> want to take us on um, a magical journey of take mistakes I can absolutely <laughs> do that 
best mistake. So <laughs> when I was first confronted with the notion that I needed to think of one of my biggest mistakes to bring to this podcast, I, mm-hmm. in typical Pisces fashion, was sent on a complete tailspin uh, through my own brain. And I tried to think of something that I could, that was a mistake that I could also turn into a story. And so there are a couple things that I view as mistakes. I view most of my actions as mistakes. That's just sort of how my brain operates. Wait, yeah, let's actually real quick. Do you mind kind of telling us what you think a mistake is? Like what that word means to you? Uh, I view a mistake in a very like curt way where a mistake is anything that I wish I hadn't done. Mm-hmm. Like when I look back on it, I have a just sort of pang of regret and I sort of think about what my life would be like if I hadn't done that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I consider a mistake. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that I regret so much that I am tortured over it and I wish it didn't happen. Some things I just think like, yeah, things would be different and maybe better if I hadn't done that. But it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that I'm desperate for that to be erased from my past. Right. And what's your relationship with mistakes overall? Like, are you the kind of person who is like, I would, I wouldn't be who I am without them? Or like, you know, do you have a positive spin? Or do you like live with tormented regret? Regret. (laughs) Regret. (laughs) (laughs) Do you live with regret? I think that I've sort of been almost peer pressured into viewing my mistakes positively. Mm. uh, Because there's so much Uh, there's so many point of views online and just like in literature about not viewing mistakes as something catastrophic and as viewing them as something that brought you to where you are and where you are is great. So why would you regret anything? (laughs) I've always had a kind of a problem with that fundamentally because I'm like, what if you hate where you are? Exactly. Like whenever I'm like, you wouldn't be who you are without your mistakes. I'm like, I don't like who I am. So that's not comforting. Well, you know what? Figure it out. Because I personally love that frame of thinking. So. No, I like it. I mean, I, we literally have a podcast about it, but it is a little bit toxic positivity IMO. Just a smidge. The thing about it is you kind of have to view mistakes in that sense, like as Nika said, like as something that brought you to where you are today. And that, like, if you did things differently, you wouldn't be who you are. Because the alternative is just opening your eyes first thing in the morning and being like, oh, <laughs> God, I am <laughs> yeah. consumed. Ah! So you have to be like, well, that is what happened. And so I live with that and I've grown from it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is kind of how I I begrudgingly, sorry, short circuit. I begrudgingly (laughs) view mistakes as something that is ultimately positive because it allows me to learn and they helped shape the beautiful sunflower that I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, so you were, so you were like thinking of what mistakes would be, an interesting story. Um, That's where we left off. I find that I make a lot of mistakes based on perception, where I choose to perceive something in a certain way that then causes me to act in a way that's not actually healthy for myself. And the biggest perception-based mistake that I think I've made, looking back on my, like, adolescence is my perception of dating and romance as something that is both inaccessible to me and something that I need to crave constantly with every fiber of my being every waking minute. Um, (laughs) And it started from like a very young age. I used to be very afraid of boys 
because at the time when I was very young, I thought I was only ever attracted to men. That is something I've since learned isn't the case for myself. But I sort of viewed them as this thing I needed to aspire to get attention from, but something that I was also afraid to get attention from because they were loud and they played sports that I was bad at. And when I talked (laughs) about the like sagas I would imagine with my stuffed animals, they looked at me like I was weird. So I was, they were something that I viewed as being inaccessible that I also needed to eventually get attention from. So that led to me having that they're like inherently better than us. Yeah. And it led me to have a lot of like, just devastating crushes throughout high school and, you know, Mm -hmm. elementary school, very much like fixating on every thing they do around me, even though they have no clue who I am. I had this horrific crush on a boy sat next to junior year English that was so bad that when I found out who he was taking to prom and that it wasn't me, I like CW show style cried into a pillow. (laughs) He didn't even have my phone number. I was devastated. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then I, like, it just sort of got worse as I was an older teenager because when I was 16, I found, I, this is a whole side story, but when I was 16, I was essentially diagnosed with a condition called complete androgen insensitivity syndrome, which explains why I, listeners who don't know me, I don't menstruate. I don't have a period. I don't have a reproductive system. And that's something I was born with, but I didn't figure that out until I was 16 and got diagnosed with this because I was like, why don't I have a period, even though I'm a 16 year old girl? And the doctors were like, because you have no uterus girly. And I was like, well, that'll explain it. It's fun. Yeah, you two can connect over yeah. this. <laughs> Sisters. <laughs> yeah. So now I had to view sex and dating and romance and eventually marriage and children all at the same time through this completely new lens where something that already felt huge, daunting, inaccessible, and scary to me was now made scarier because mm-hmm. I have all these extra quirks that I have to mm-hmm. bring into all these potential relationships in the future. Um and God, I remember being like 17 or so and dealing with dealing with this diagnosis and general 17-year-old hormones and feelings. And like I used and just being almost completely overtaken by like the fear of sex and dating and how I was gonna navigate this. And I remember lying awake one morning, dilating, which is something you have to do when you have complete androgen sensitivity syndrome on occasion. And thinking, oh my God, you two really, yeah, we have a are lot literally. This, oh. We have so much to discuss. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was, I was doing some homework on the podcast because, like I said, voracious AP Lit student. Yeah. And you made a joke about dilating in the first episode, and I was like, "Oh, this is my zone. This is exactly <laughs> where I need to be." But I was like, yeah, "Lying." This just also goes to show, and I know this is like obvious to everyone in this conversation. That turfs are insane. But that turfs yeah. are literally <laughs> insane. Oh yeah, like equating. I mean, once again, couldn't be like more of an obvious no, statement but you're to not us. Wrong. But it is like you know, one of the points people make is like, "Hey, even if." everything you're saying about trans women were true about trans women. You're also being like exclusive to like an entire group of cis women. Yeah, truly. Um, and to be clear, it's not true about any of them that they're like, no, but yeah, you're right. But like, it's just so annoying that they also, it's like anti-feminist, I think to equate wom- womanhood to being able to reproduce. 
So exactly. it's weird that they call themselves feminists in yeah. the first place. But anyway, I digress. Love love this for you too. Mm. I also, being friends with both of you, knew this about both of you, but didn't. Mm. it would be weird to be yeah. like, you guys should talk <laughs> <laughs> about not having a uterus. <laughs> it's a weird thing to um, introduce people with. But you already follow each other on Twitter, so I knew you'd find each other eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you had this like extra quote unquote like baggage that you didn't want to bring into a romantic situation exactly um, which made romance even scarier to you is that what you're saying yes and so I had this one moment where I was like lying awake I used to dilate before school because it was the only time I had time to and so it was like 5 30 or so in the morning the bleak light of my you know nightstand lamp and the outside light just sort of growing as time went by. And I was just like lying completely like bored still with my thighs <laughs> clenched together because dilating was really uncomfortable for me as a mm-hmm. teen thinking like, I am never in my life going to enjoy sex. This is what I'm <laughs> cursed with. And oh I just, my God. Fuck. so I thought to myself, like, I just need to find someone who will love me for my personality alone, because mm-hmm. clearly this is entirely off the table for me. So it goes without saying that I didn't really do any dating in high school. But this is, again, that sort of like perception-based mistake where I've decided something about something and it now is going to color my entire experience. Mm -hmm. I decided that I could never enjoy sex because I was dealing with a brief unpleasantness. And I was also still a kid. I'm still 17. My body's going through a ton of hormonal changes at the same time. Because like regardless of anything, you would exactly. have self-esteem issues. But now you have this extra thing. Yeah, I have to, to do this. About. And I've also just been put on, you know, estrogen for the first time in my life. And I'm gaining all this weight immediately. I'm going up three cup sizes over the course of, I don't know, three months, cup size a month. Great deal. And <laughs> it's like tormenting. I like don't even know how to exist in my body because it's changing so mm-hmm. much. But it's also unpleasant changes. Um, so it's very funny to me to like, listen to and experience the experiences of people who didn't have this exact same experience and did date in high school and were like sexual in high school, because it's so completely out of the realm of like what I thought was possible for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me when I see like discourses online about like whether Mm -hmm. or not high school shows that have a lot of sex scenes, like skins, euphoria, etc. are realistic because I'll Mm -hmm. see people who did have like interesting and I'm using air quotes listeners, interesting high school experiences be like, no, it was kind of like this. And people who had experiences closer to me being like, this is completely out of left field and high school wasn't like that. It's like, Uh "Mm, I think maybe you're just dealing with some similar issues as to me in terms of self-esteem, but. Well, what's funny is I definitely had the skins euphoria experience personally, but at the same time was like an on like I was friends with you in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Not literally in high school online. We were friends, which I love that that's normal now. At the time, it was weird to have like Tumblr friends. But um, but yeah, I was friends with people like you and my friend Caroline, who you also are mutuals mm-hmm. with, I think, um, who she and I went to summer camp together. So we knew each other in real life, but we didn't go to school together. So we had completely different high school experiences. Um, so it's fun. She's one of the people that will sometimes post about euphoria being unrealistic. And I'm like, 
you were friends with one of the people at the time who this was realistic for. Right. <laughs> so it is interesting. I just I also think just high school is like it's already known that people are de- um, like they develop at very different stages both physically emotionally and mentally mm-hmm. and so high school is just filled with different experiences it doesn't make something inherently more realistic or less realistic it just is different types of people it's representing usually the thing that's yeah. unrealistic about it is that the adults who make tv shows about high school students thinking that every student in a particular group yes. is going to be at that exact same level not that you know teenagers yes. yeah. who do similar things don't find each other but like you said with you and caroline my closest friend in high school was like having a sort of skins-esque <laughs> yeah. experience like and I was terrified of it you know yeah I would but go like, with her to like friends with each other exactly in high school. yeah 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 it's weird are there any tv shows that show both it's like Grand Central or Grand Army oh okay yeah I haven't watched that yet because Twitter told me not to, but I'm going to watch it. No, it's a great show. And also, (laughs) like, the whole Twitter discourse, I looked into it, was literally one writer in the writer's room being like, like a negative experience. This person sucked. Um, Anyway, it's like, it's been compared to being like the American Euphoria. I haven't watched Euphoria. Euphoria is American. Or or like the New York Euphoria, rather. Um, I have not watched Euphoria, but from what I've heard, it's nothing like Euphoria. Okay. It's like a lot of drug use. But it's like not, I don't know. It's not, it's not uh, as, ab- it felt more like my high school experience than what I've heard of uh, Euphoria being like. like. Euphoria, I think in Euphoria's defense, it is very much from the perspective of one person. Okay. Like it's about all these other characters too, but it's through the lens of um, Zendaya's character. Oh, okay. And she is having a very like, wild high school experience so like i feel like people kind of oversimplify euphoria by being like not everyone in high school is doing this it's like yeah that's true but like this girl isn't is very much interacting with the people who that is happening to because she's so wrapped up in it anyway that's my one defense of when people say euphoria is unrealistic i'm like it's really about this one person's mental illness more than anything yeah in my opinion it's there's so much people. There's so many words on the internet, and <laughs> I guess just, my biggest like, mistake is feeling like I have to read all of them. I know. Yeah, that's the biggest mistake is consuming every word on the internet for sure, in the order that they're <sighs> written. Yeah, huge mistake. Well, continuing in the saga of me perceiving the world as bad and evil, and myself as being a little duck adrift in a tumultuous sea. <laughs> Uh, the next mistake in my, you know, romantic life and my perception of my romantic life was going to a college that had almost no men at it, not realizing I was into people that weren't men until I was halfway done with it and spending so much time with my closest friend that everyone on campus thought that we were almost engaged. So I'm breezing through this because I hooked up with literally no one in my entire college experience, (laughs) which added to the, it was devastating. It added (laughs) to my perception that I was like, you know, bad and broken. And I was never going to have a normal sex life because 
who doesn't fuck in college? You know, that's what I was Mm. telling myself. It's like, bitch, look at you. You've been at this school. You've been hot. You've been wearing little outfits. You've been wearing your galaxy print (laughs) leggings and you're still alone. What does that tell you? It was, it was terrible. You know? Yeah. Gosh, the confirmation biases we walk through life with and like, don't realize how much they're informing our experience until we have the gift of hindsight is, truly like it is the biggest mistake someone can make is deciding something and then letting all of their experiences confirm that you know Mm. like oh I'm not lovable or fuckable or whatever and now look at all the proof nobody's loving or fucking me but you're also like not like you decided that you know and then that's just your version I mean I have plenty of my own things that I made true about myself that then everything confirmed it because that's the like reality I was creating for myself. It's true. You like speak your existence into existence. The affirmations thing is a, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just I, like uh, decide things and they'll be true, you know, cause you're already doing it without realizing it. So you might as yeah. well be deliberate about it. Is truly. how I feel. Truly. Anyway. Um, so do you live like, so, Sorry, are you are is that the end of that particular mistake or does it go on? Well, the mis- the mistake sort of does continue. Um, okay, I mean, no, I, I I can move into a different phase of it. Do you have like, okay? A- I mean, I no, the only you're... reason I asked is because I have a follow up question, but I don't want to yeah. ask it unless you're done. Um, no, do you like live with regret about that? I wouldn't necessarily call it regret. And I feel like I'm about to describe what regret is, but be like, it's not regret. <laughs> I don't regret it. <laughs> I do wish it didn't happen. And I do think it ruined my life, but I don't regret it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I sort of did a bit of squandering of the experience, but I mm. also, you know, not to necessarily skip to the happy ending of things, but happy ending of things that'll make sense in a second I don't think that I was ready to have sex until I did Mm. and then I think I like picked the correct time for it so because of that I don't view it as too much of a waste because and I feel the same way about high school I think if I had sort of forced myself into something that I wasn't emotionally ready for I'd be dealing with a completely different set of problems right now as a Mm-hmm. an older adult but like older than I was when some yeah, of these yeah, things yeah. were happening anyone like, in their 30s is like, like gripping <laughs> <laughs> their desk right now like fuck you I oh, sorry they're old <laughs> sorry you're fucking old no, just kidding we love our 30 plus demographic although just to repeat it our main demographic is 18, 18 to 24 we love our uh, hot young girlies. <laughs> Our girlies in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you don't, you think that like it, you, it, even if maybe the reason was less than desirable, it was the pace you were supposed to go at. Is exactly. That, yeah. And like, not to spend too much time bringing it back to high school, but um, just going off of the thing that like, I don't think I was ready for these experiences that I was craving until I eventually did have them. Uh, when I was in high school, I was a latchkey kid for the entire experience. I had like two and a half hours home alone before my mom got home from work. And I think about that sometimes. And I think about like what kids I knew would do with the free time (laughs) they had home alone. And what I was doing instead was like 
recording videos that I was too chicken to put on YouTube ever. So they're just on an external hard drive now. And I didn't actually use that time to be like a normal teenager the mm. way people my age might have yeah, done. But that's like, that's fine. I exactly, mean, I, yeah. like, well, I think about the time that I would spend home alone in high school when my mom or stepdad weren't home. And I was like, sucking random people's dicks that I had met on Grinder, <laughs> smoking weed, like getting stoned, getting stoned, sucking dick and not doing my homework. Yeah. Like, so, and I felt like a fucking slut loser, mm. um, you know? And that's so we all, we all yeah. feel like we fucked up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like I could view that as squandered time and as something yeah. that I regret, but I don't because I don't think I needed to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I had, like I said, I'd be dealing with a different set of probably the exact same perception-based problems, but mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that version of myself doesn't exist because I didn't do that. So this one does, right. and this is the bitch I'm piloting until I die. <laughs> so when, and we simply have to stand. Um, so what's, <laughs> what's uh, the continuance or follow-up mistake that, I so, so rudely cut you off from continuing to fine. tell us about. I adore being cut off. Um, <laughs> well then, boy, do I have good news for you. <laughs> Get more Aries in your life then if you like being I'm interrupted. I'm over here with duct tape on my mouth. <laughs> my hands are tied behind my back. Anya peels the tape off every few minutes when we Don't record for me to talk. My best friend that I live with is literally an Aries. So okay, I'm very yeah. well accustomed oh, to being okay. cut off. Um, <laughs> so you either love it or you hate it. And that's just the world that we live in. Exactly. There's no fixing us. Um, There's no us getting better. <laughs> I don't mind because I'm usually disassociating anyway. Yeah, as an Nika Aquarius. doesn't listen to a word I say, so she doesn't care. I like it because it gives me time to think about how to steer the conversation back to myself. Yeah. Which is what yes. I Right. So, Gary Taurus to think about you. Yeah. Exactly. That's why we're compatible friends. So yeah, tell us about your next fuck up. You, you, you fuck fucking up. fucking fuck up. So. You should be ashamed of yourself. God, I know. So due to an entirely separate mistake that I won't get into because it's sad, uh, 2017 and was a very rough year for me. The mistake has to do with like career choices, but that's mm. boring. We're talking about sex and <laughs> fucking. So, um, so that's all women know how to talk about. Yeah, Careers? exactly. What's that? You got a job? That's weird. <laughs> Let me tell you about my pussy and how yeah, I have one. That's, that's Anyone? Back to the only thing we care about. <laughs> yeah. So when I was about 24, I was decided I. Like at the beginning of 2018, I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. Now is the time. I'm going to actually put some effort into becoming the sexual being that I've wanted to be ever since I was a teenager. So the first step to that is downloading a dating app, which I had done Mm -hmm. many times in the past several years, but I'd never been brave enough to actually like talk to someone until it segued into, do you want to meet up in person? And then actually meeting them up in person. I was a serial dating app plan ghoster like once it got close to the point of like Mm -hmm. hey should we actually see each other I was like the thing with that is unfortunately I don't exist goodbye yeah Um, (laughs) so I've been talking to a literal ghost yep goodbye (laughs) I have been a bot this entire time but not the kind (laughs) that scams you just the kind that tricks your little brain (laughs) so 
I ended up meeting this guy who, for the sake of this story, I will call Greg. Um, that was in my notes. Greg That's- is always my go-to fake name. I is it really? Name for- yeah. I literally just wrote a joke where I fake named somebody Greg. Oh, I don't oh. fake name anyone. Yeah. No. And we have to bleep it I'm out. I'm dying to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Greg. Um, Greg. And Greg was this, like, very kind stand-up comedian uh, who had a <gasps> soul-crushing desk job that he hated talking Wait, about. in Boston? Yes. Oh, my God. I might know, I might know, quote-unquote, Greg. We have to talk off the record. <laughs> yeah, we have to I do that. all the Boston comedians. Okay, continue. Oh, God, I've dug my own grave. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So we were chatting. We decided to meet in person. We ended up going on a very pleasant first date, like July of 2018. We went to a cafe and we saw a movie. We ate French fries. We had a small kiss in the public gardens. It was very cute. Um, And he was like this very nice, like same height as me guy. So I didn't really have much of an issue with it. Unfortunately, as a taller woman, I am sometimes prone to like societal preconceived notions about dating someone taller than me. And so I then will write off people who aren't. And it's, mm. you know, yeah. not the nicest thing to do. But now I'm dating someone who's 6'3", so it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> but so we saw each other like a couple of times. We went on like three or so dates. And I immediately got to work psyching myself up for telling him about all of my like dark, horrible secrets. At the time, they were that I can't have children and that I have this weird messed up lack of reproductive system. And at the time I was planning on getting a breast reduction surgery for people who don't know me. I used to have a 42 H cup chest. I just had big old sandbags. It was horrific. (laughs) And so I was like, well, if I'm seeing this guy, I should probably tell him ahead of time that my body's going to go through this huge dramatic change. So on our second date, which was brunch, I was like, Hey, just so you know, um, I am, going to be going through this change. I'm going to be getting my yiddies chopped down to size. And I know you haven't seen them yet because this is our second date, but I just wanted you to like know that. And he was like, oh, you know, that's fine. Like, that's like, thank you for telling me. I have a thing too. I'm on SSRI. So sometimes it takes me a super long time to come. And I was like, okay, so we're both sharing. This is great. (laughs) And I felt good about it. I felt like, okay, this is nice. He's like, a kind person, this isn't going to be a problem. And then on our third date, I was like, okay, time to unleash another dark, horrible secret about myself. I told him that I, at the time, was a virgin, which, you know, is something that is no Mm -hmm. longer true, but it's something that very heavily weighed on me at this time in my life. I was very ashamed of it. It comes as no surprise after the romantic lack of history that I just brought us through. But I was like Mm -hmm. very nervous to tell him that. And he was like, you know, that's fine. Like, we'll take things really slow. Um, the reason I'm like, I'm like sweating. I'm like nervous about the story. I come across terrible in the story. He was like very no, kind and nice. I'm well, not finished with the story. Oh, yet, oh I, I thought you meant, I, well, I, okay. I thought you meant with that. I was like, no, you don't at all, but. <laughs> She's working her way up to tell I'm working us, way up to it. <laughs> it. It is. So, Okay. <laughs> At any point, you can cut me off with another tangent so I, I can procrastinate no, no, no. into this. No, this is all you now. We're done with tangents. Yeah, we want to hear how you fucked up. <laughs> tell us. Tell us. So 
uh, on our fifth time seeing each other, we were going to go to a midnight screening of a movie. And this was when I kind of knew that things were probably going to become physical because I was going over to his apartment. It was nighttime, which is when people have sex, I'm told. Um, And so I prepared for this by bringing an additional pair of underwear, my own toothbrush, uh, a bunch of hair ties and bobby pins, and 12 Summer's Eve cleansing wipes in my little purse because... I was very misguided. You're like, I'm ready. This is how people pack for sex. That's kind of what I... (laughs) Not a lube bottle in sight, but... Not one. Plenty of Summer's Eve. So we had gotten undressed and I was trying to brief him for the fact that I have a smaller than average vagina as a result (laughs) of me having this androgen insensitivity. I have a tiny pussy. Well... So I wanted to communicate Girl, that. I've been there. It's it's a real boner shrinker to tell someone that you have to dilate. I get it. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't yeah, include that specific sucks. detail. Um, but so we were both naked when this happened. And I was trying to communicate that, like, I thought everything was going to be fine. And I said, I have a really like, don't worry. Like, I have a really small vagina. So your dick is perfect. And as soon I have done this, I keep going. He had this little like, like sort of like, I saw the, the, the processing of what I had said, just sort of like wash across his face. Uh, And this one brief sort of like half blink, half headcock thing. (laughs) And then I immediately got to work trying to correct what I had said. And I was like, I, I didn't mean that. I just meant. I think this is going to be like, I think this is fine. This is going to be great. I don't even remember how I got out of it all the way. The next thing I know, like, we're actually having sex and it was fine. (laughs) But. Oh my gosh. That is the meanest thing I've ever said to anyone by accident. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You just took us on this whole journey. You paused. You, like, really built it up as though you did something so horrible. I think that was, like, pretty fair. (laughs) I have said that to so many guys because I have a similar issue with my vagina as someone who's had, you know, has had it constructed and has to dilate. I have said that many a time during a hookup. Like, like your uh, tiny dick is perfect No, not tiny, tiny but, like, oh, it's the right, you know, it's the right size. Or, like, oh, it's just, like... It's just perfect. I don't, you know. That's like a nicer version of what I said, though. Yeah, to be fair to, like, your being mortified by what you said, I think the difference is just truly the word, like, small, and then so yours is perfect. I'm not not saying don't be mortified. I'm just saying I don't think that you... Yeah, I don't don't think think it was mean. Okay. Sure, be mortified. But no, I don't... You still fucked, so clearly it wasn't... that mean well wait a minute so i'm is this how you lost your virginity with this yeah okay right before losing your virginity you like ruined his entire like you emasculated him to the ultimate degree so you're a thumb dom (laughs) (laughs) you have no idea how many men would like pay Pay you to do that that. yeah (laughs) i mean i 
follow both of you, so I do have an idea of how many men <laughs> would pay me to do that. So. Wait, so was there like a follow up with this guy, or was it just one and done? Well, the follow up is the follow up does make me look worse. Um, I did oh, God. eventually. We did. We saw each other one additional time after this. The difficult bit was that this virginity loss episode happened right before my reduction. And I am proud of myself for getting one fuck in before I chopped him off. Cause I definitely thought Mm -hmm. like the relationship with my body at the time was like, no one's ever going to find me attractive with like these huge tits, which like (laughs) these huge tits and this tiny mommy milkers. I like how your, your insecurities were like, nobody will ever love me with these enormous jugs and this teeny pussy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's like when people are like, guys, am I too skinny? <laughs> <laughs> skinny girls get bullied too. We do. We do, but it's annoying for other people to hear it. Well, <laughs> how I feel about all my friends that got breast reduction surgery. I'm like, oh, was that hard for you? And I'm sure it literally was, but my whole life has been me just like waiting for my tits to come in, you know? <laughs> Go on hormones. <laughs> <laughs> and they finally did. I have tits now, but it took until I was 24 for them to just appear. God, that is, <laughs> I literally cannot even in any capacity relate to that. I love that for you. <laughs> um, so I had to like, you know, take sort of a month off from existing to recover from the surgery. And then I saw him one additional time after that. We didn't have sex. We just like sat around and watched TV. The vibe was sort of off. I think I built mm. up my attraction to him a lot because we had this mm. nice first date. And then I was like, this is the guy I'm going to lose my virginity to. This is a huge, important thing. I'm going to remember this forever. This is like the biggest moment of my adult life, which, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it that now, but at the time it sort of, this was the thing that I had told myself for my entire adolescence, I was never going to be able to experience. And now it's mm-hmm. happening. And then once it did happen, it was sort of like the wind being let out of a balloon, you know? Like I had the experience and a lot of these emotions that I thought were like budding romantic infatuation with this guy were actually excitement over this thing that has now ended. And I Mm -hmm. don't really feel the way that I thought I felt. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm happy that at least you had that. Yeah. I think it was an important thing for me to experience. And as I like alluded to earlier, I don't think I was emotionally ready to like handle sex until I did and was. Yeah. Um, then I proceeded. Wait, so how did that unfold? The, the, the ending? final date with him? Yeah. Um, I explicitly told him that we were going to hook up again. And then a couple of weeks went by and I ghosted him. Hmm. So yeah, but that's classic. Yeah, whatever. It's a rite of passage. Also, just to clarify what I meant that I love that happened was that you realize, like you got to fuck and then you realized that you actually weren't like you had been building up. And then you realize it because I had a similar experience with someone, but we never actually fucked. So then I just Mm. spent so long being infatuated with them, Mm. waiting for them to be the first person to fuck my new vagina. I see. And I wish I just had that and then been like, oh, never mind. Yeah. I don't love you. You suck. I can definitely see how that would be worse. Yeah. Yeah. I had almost the opposite. I mean, it was in high school, but I like... Um, really wanted to get my like losing my virginity over with and so I kind of like arbitrarily chose like my hottest friend who I thought would be down you know I was like I'm into you and I'm 
pretty sure you'd be down to fuck. And so then I kind of just explicitly told him like, hey, I really want to lose my virginity. Do you want to have sex? Um, And then and the whole intention was to not have that big feeling for somebody Mm -hmm. and like build it up. And then I was like infatuated with him for like two years afterwards. Uh, And I was like, fucking uh cliche, Anya. (laughs) Like, this is so stupid. Um, And I... It like is one of the cringiest things to look back on is how much I like craved his affection afterwards. Yeah. And resented him so much for like getting a girlfriend and like moving uh. on with his life when that was explicitly the arrangement. <laughs> it was truly, like no strings yeah. attached. Sex. I really do not remember the name of or what the guy who took my virginity even looks like. Hell yeah. Yeah. I remember that's it. The, that's the ultimate story. I remember right the there. sex. It was great <laughs> sex for my first time, but I don't remember anything about him. Yeah. 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 I mean, I actually think your experience, like, it's interesting to think about how, like, you spent your whole adolescence and early adulthood kind of feeling shame for having not done it the way that presumably everyone else had done it which is also not true a lot of people wait until their mid-20s but people are very private about it whereas people who have sex are very open about how much sex they're having (laughs) um but like it's interesting that that was something that was weighing on you to the point where you know you felt like you needed to like dis like have a disclaimer to this guy like i'm a virgin which is a fine thing to tell Mm -hmm. someone but um when really, ultimately, I think you had the healthy, ex- healthiest experience that I've heard of outside of, I don't know, those losers who fall in love and wait two years to have sex and <sighs> gaze deep into each other's eyes and cherish that moment for the rest of their lives. Gross. Other than that, was the time? Yeah. A collective eye roll in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I feel like yours, your story is almost ideal other than you know maybe the residual guilt about ghosting him but well you skipped all the steps you did it all in one you fucked you had the awkward sex realized you didn't like him ghosted him you know you had all of those like pivotal <laughs> yeah. sexual experiences at once yeah which and i think is sick i think yeah it's like very it speaks to the part of my soul that really likes being able to multitask definitely yes. yeah. yeah and yeah. like the, you got so many to-do lists cross-offs in that one experience yeah you know 2018 was a busy year for me but like it then has like the bonus part at the end like the last experience of that whole saga is that two weeks later I was like on a train home from work and I thought I saw him get onto the train after I did and was so freaked out about the possibility of having to then grapple with the crime I had committed of ghosting him. <laughs> I got off the train like 11 stops early and took like a $30 Uber home and was just hyperventilating the entire time. Oh, no. Oh, then gosh. this summer, like this pandemic summer, pandemic flavored summer, summer with a twist of pandemic. I was (laughs) walking to, you know, this is two years after that incident. I look very different now. I was walking to my dispensary and I was walking through his neighborhood. I know exactly where he lives because he couldn't come to my apartment because he's allergic to cats and I had cats at the time. (laughs) So I know his exact- And he still lives there? Well, um, Well, I was walking through and I thought, wouldn't it be absolutely goofy if I ran into Greg right now? And so I turn a corner and walking in the direction towards me 
is a man with the unmistakable same height as me, gait as Greg. But the fortunate thing is I have a mask on, I have sunglasses on, I weigh a different weight, my body looks different, my hair is a different color, I dress differently. Everything about me is different and it's also been two years. So he doesn't mm-hmm. recognize me in anything that I, in any way I can perceive while I'm walking past him. I know it's him, I don't know if he knows it's me. We pass and I break into almost a dead sprint uh, until I'm fur- far <laughs> enough away to like call my best friend and be like, I'm going to hell. Um, Then later that afternoon, I get a text from a number that I don't have saved that says something like, oh, I like miss your face. How have you been? And I'm like, oh, okay. The consequences of my own actions. And I didn't respond. (laughs) I deleted the text. And then I'm certain for the rest of the afternoon that this is him. He stole my number. I've transfixed him with my tiny, tiny, mean little <laughs> vagina. And he's still hung up on me, even though it's been two years. And I'm, you know, consumed with guilt. I'm like, I'm a succubus. I'm a harpy. I'm a, I'm a siren luring a sailor to his death. I'm an evil woman. I'm gone girl part two. You know, I'm very, mm-hmm. I, I use that as very much like an indictment of my own terrible self. Then the next Uh day I get an additional text from that number. It's actually a friend of mine who's gotten a new phone who I haven't seen in a while. (laughs) But my God, I was like, I thought you were, you know, a ghost from my past, like in a Christmas carol. So I'm glad. Skeleton in my closet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you do have your Scrooge moment, I'm sure Greg will have a talking to. The truth is, I'm sure Greg has ghosted people. Everyone in Boston has ghosted someone. (laughs) I've been ghosted by someone in Boston. You know, we've all done it. Every time I get ghosted, I let it go because of how many times I've ghosted someone. I'm like, well, this is just truly ghosting karma. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I like really liked them and it was like, you know, a little bit more serious than a few dates. But it sounds like you are in the clear. To be honest, yeah, to clear. listen, I've done so much more fucked up. Sh- I intentionally ghosted someone once to get over my ex who had ghosted me, like <sighs> dated wow. this person for hurt a minute, people hurt people, dated this person for a minute, knew that he was obsessed with me and was like, this is the exact same scenario as me and Andre. <laughs> I'm going to be the Andre to heal myself and take oh back my, my power. And then I ghosted him and he was like, obviously so hurt. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to be your boyfriend. And I was like, sorry, I had to teach you and all men a lesson. If anyone, not to be a true millennial right now, but like Nika is a Slytherin. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not, I'm a Hufflepuff. Uh, You're not a Hufflepuff. I always get Hufflepuff. Okay. I'm projecting because Pottermore put me into Slytherin and I presented it. Hufflepuff are like loyal. They mind their business and they just smoke a lot of weed. Okay, that's that's all true. (laughs) That's all true. I was going to say that's very like cruel intentions. It's like very. It was. I'll never do it again. It was terrible. But listen, I made up for it when he when a year later I reached out. I apologized. We hooked up. I decided I wanted to now date him seriously. And then he ghosted me. Yeah. (gasps) So. Oh my god! He paid. You know, he got his payback. That reminds me. Do you guys watch Girlfriends? No, but I need to. With Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, there's oh, yeah. an amazing storyline where one of the characters like brutally breaks this guy's heart, like mercilessly destroys this guy's life. All of the characters in this show are like bad people, but that's what's like fun about the show. Uh-huh. But they all make like 
they just treat people like garbage. (laughs) That's kind of what the show is about. And so she like, you know, she breaks up with him because I think he's not like rich enough for her or something. And then she kind of a few seasons later or a season later, she has this epiphany where she doesn't care as much about money as she thought. And right as she's having that epiphany, he kind of like reappears in her life and they like rekindle this romance. And it all leads up to like weeks and weeks of them being back together for him to purposefully stage a situation for her to walk in on him fucking someone <gasps> else because she broke his heart all that wow. time ago. Oh my God. <laughs> One of my favorite like clapbacks on girlfriends. Um, and it's like an ongoing joke in the show that she like deserved it, you know, like it's horrible, but also everyone's like, you were like terrible to him and it didn't make an, like all of her friends are like, it didn't make sense that he took you back. So now this all makes sense. Wow. (laughs) So anyway, that's like the girlfriend's, um, storyline. One of my favorite girlfriend's storylines. Anyway, what do we think the moral of Nisa's story was? I mean, well, me and you have very similar experiences with our bodies and how that really complicates sex and dating. Um, if anything, specifically what you what your mindset is going into it, you know, more yeah. so than necessarily how other people yeah, feel yeah, yeah. about you. Yeah. So I would say my the my takeaway. Um, I feel like my takeaway is just. I have been in these situations before many a time and I've had to learn that the only way it's going to be not awkward and the only way that I'm not going to leave these experiences feeling disempowered is if I just completely own all of the things that make me embarrassed about my body, really, really fucking normalize it and then just like speak about it immediately on a date or like on an app and just talk about it so much that by the time they're reading the bio or they're listening to the conversation you've normalized it for them as well yeah because it's so easy to trick people into thinking that you are not as uncomfortable as you are if you're just like good with words and you can till you make it exactly exactly fake it till you make it um yeah because i went from like being a huge whore to then getting bottom surgery and being like i don't want to have sex with anyone because this is so awkward i have this Mm -hmm. weird pussy and I don't want to date anyone because I'm an infertile woman. Like it made everything so complicated and it was like a terrible few years. And then I just finally had to like really not, I wouldn't say I'm over it, but had to really like figure out a way to make it work Mm. for me in a way that didn't make me paralyzed. I think that's a really important thing, like both important thing to like come to in your own personal realization and like a very, important thing to like normalize among people who are dealing with like similar things because that whole process of thinking like okay this is a thing about me that like I feel the need in some capacity and for some reason to address with someone so I'm going to do that and I'm not going to frame it like it's this you know horrible dark secret about myself it's an Mm. aspect of myself that I don't want this other person to be uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. in the same way that I am so I'm not going to allow them to do it. Like I went back and forth. I, I'm not a person who asks people for advice very often. I like hate receiving help uh, and assistance. (laughs) Um, I don't know why it's just like who I am. It's a little quirk of my horrible brain. (laughs) And I was like asking everyone in my life how to navigate telling the guy I'm seeing now 
that I can't have children because it's something that might come up. He's a little bit older than me. It's, you know, something that I have to keep in mind. I'm also a little bit older than I was when I was in this first relationship where it sort of got brought up by accident. Um, Mm. And a lot of people, most people in my life are just like, just tell him. It's not like if you build it up as this like horrific thing that's going to catastrophically ruin your relationship, you're going to manifest that. You're going to be so freaked Mm. out by Mm. it. And you're going to hinge so much of this on like little tiny minutiae of his reaction that it's going to eventually ruin things Mm. for you. So you can't let it get to that level of big, Mm -hmm. horrible secret. And so I, it's been hard to sort of like time anything in this relationship because, well, I've never called it a relationship but I guess it is. Um, we haven't You're had like two a... people who know each other. So it's inherently a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a it's capital R relationship. Uh, it's been weird to time <laughs> stuff because we started talking in June, but we've only seen each other in person like five times. Um, mm. And so I think it was like after things got a little bit more like physical in the relationship after the first Mm -hmm. time that happened I was like so now that we're in this territory I should probably let you know that I actually cannot have children um and that's just a thing about me so there it is I said it like in this Mm -hmm. very glib little like oh my hair is black and I'm 5'11 and also I can't have children so (laughs) and in the handmaid's tale I'd be sitting up you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) I would not be laying on my back in that situation (laughs) Me and Nisa are going to be great wives in that universe. <laughs> we'll we'll share you as our handmaid. Yeah, I'll be exactly. I'll be your guys' uh, surrogate in the end times when they force Perfect. us to have your children. Um, that's so like it's so true. I think literally everyone in the world has like the thing that they think is like the th- like. I mean, maybe not literally everybody, but so many people have a thing that is the thing that they need to tell you, you know, if you're in a serious relationship with them or if you're going to hook up with them. Like a lot of my friends, it's herpes is the thing that they need. Like, oh, before anything goes any further, you need to know. And that's just ethically, they have to tell people that. But um, like I've and I've also been on the receiving end of people telling me they have herpes because I'm a huge slut and I've I fuck everybody. So I've many times been like someone like, whoa, whoa, before we go any further, you need to know this thing. And it is so true that like how you tell people whatever the thing is informs so much how they're going to react. And like very often. um, And yeah, like my thing is like sex work, like, you know, a lot of people are not comfortable and that's not to hook up with someone, but for a relationship, mm-hmm. I got to get that out there sooner rather than later. Cause I don't, I don't need to put myself through being rejected for that, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's also just like a courtesy to yourself to just get that shit out in the open. Mm-hmm. Um, and be as casual as possible about it. Cause the more you're like, Hey, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. And you're like, you should be sitting down for this. The more they're going to react as if you're telling them something that they need to sit down for. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I like that you frame it as like, not only something that you have to do for the benefit of the other person, but also as a yeah. common courtesy to yourself. Yeah. Because like, I hadn't thought of it that way at all. But like, I really was like stressing myself out for no totally. reason. And if you know, in the God forbid, someone does actually end up rejecting you for like the thing you tell them, if you wait a long time, 
you've invested more emotionally in the relationship and it hurts you more than it would if you'd done it sooner, if you'd ripped the bandaid off sooner. So it is a common courtesy to yourself and it is a self-care thing to do to get these things out of the way and pay attention to how you ask it. So you're both not freaking that person out and not like psyching yourself into thinking like, this is like a super devastating, tragic clinical thing about me Mm -hmm. um, that I have to tell people in this very grave way. Right. Yeah. What a interesting refocus. It's an interesting, yeah. Well, I've been recently, maybe the reason I even framed it that way is because I've been personally recently reframing, um, resentments that way where I'm like this is actually you know like resentments are poison that you drink yourself or like you mean to poison the other person but you drink it yourself or whatever the saying is yeah like this is also like I'm not making this up this is not my discovery but I personally recently realized that like forgiving people is something that you do for yourself not for them um and like sometimes it brings great relief to that person and if you forgive them maybe you're happy to see them be relieved or whatever but ultimately that act is kindness for yourself more than for the other person yeah and what's that's the something? quote resentment is like uh the poison s- yeah swallowing poison and hoping the other person dies yeah yes right that's the quote so yeah like maybe i'm just really in that frame of mind lately where everything that is for other people in your relationships is also ultimately better for you too yeah like pretty much every kind thing you could do for another person in a relationship or like a common courtesy you could do for other people is ultimately also like it takes a ton of weight off of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you're like an anxious person. Yeah, I think a lot of people and I don't think this is unique to people who like don't have many relationships or get into one late in life. I think this is probably something that everyone experiences. It's just not my experience. So I can't definitively <laughs> say it is. I think people in relationships sometimes forget that they are the other person in the relationship and that they are mm-hmm. a person and that things that they do for a partner should also be done to them. Like I do mm-hmm. a lot of fretting about how Nick, which is the fake name I've thought of for the guy I'm dating now. (laughs) Like I do a lot of thinking about how he might perceive things that I say or the time that I do things at. And I don't really keep in mind, like you're also in this relationship and you need to make sure that he's, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about these things for you too. Like I, it's just like, I constantly have to tell myself and remind myself, like I am also a person. I'm not just like a cluster of ideas that everyone in my life has to deal with. (laughs) Like I still have thoughts and feelings. And I'm responsible for caring for those and not hurting them unnecessarily mm-hmm. with the things totally. that I think. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a huge thing to realize early on in your like relationship life too. Like the fact that this is one of your first entanglements as Jada might <laughs> put it. <laughs> um, it's like, that takes most people much longer to realize that like their their own feelings also need to be taken in consideration in their own actions Mm -hmm. and in the actions of the other person like you're not just I don't know I think it's something that um a lot of people struggle with 
uh, in every, like I deal with it in friendships too, where I sometimes like really get anxious of, over if I'm being a bad friend or not. And then it takes like a while for me to realize that the person that I'm worried about is actually being like a really bad friend to me. And that's why I'm even feeling this way in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm like, God, they're so mad at me, but they're, they won't tell me why. And like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, well, that right there is them not being a good friend to you. Yeah. Making yourself like guess what you're doing wrong, you know? Yep. Anyway, so I think that's an important thing to take into every relationship. Um, and I think it's also uh, often people who feel this way, it's a direct result of our relationship with our parents, not to say our parents did anything wrong inherently, you know, they're also people just figuring it out. But I think that usually means that you had a parent that you had to kind of care for emotionally as a kid and you project that onto your other relationships and forget that your own feelings matter. That's something I realized in therapy. Slash okay, Elizabeth I, Gilbert. Slash I am reading Codependent No More. Highly recommend that book. Oh and God. it and it talks about that. If you well, had a parent that you had to like kind of deal with there. Um, I'll read that if you will read Resisting the Attention Economy when I'm done with it. Okay, we'll do. I love also, these self-help books we're reading. Hi- highly recommend everybody figures out what their attachment style is. If you haven't done that yet. It's a, How do like, you it's do kind that? Of like, it's kind of like love languages. It's like another lens to view how you interact in relationships through. And um, there's like quizzes online of like, which attachment style are you? But it's like, a I think it is based from a book. It's like a book that you can read and like learn more about it. But there's all these different attachment styles and they're based on how you were treated as a child. Um, and so I'm, I forget the exact word for it, but it's one of the... Um, Whatever. It's an attachment style where I am avoidant. Oh, yeah, it's avoidant is the what it's called. Avoidant, anxious attachment. And it is the direct result of having a parent that um, you had to take care of emotionally as a kid. Uh-huh. And the the ideal attachment style is called secure attachment. And it's where you like don't need really anything from the other person. Um, and like you're like you know, your own person showing up to a relationship and you're just like, it's just the healthiest way to, um, view being loved. It's like, it's not completing you. It's not like a missing puzzle piece in your life. It's just like an additional good thing. And you're happy to show up for this person in the ways that they need, but you also have like healthy boundaries. Most people are not this. Most people are not secure attachment styles. Um, but it is the goal. And so once you know what your attachment style is, you kind of know what to look out for in your own habits in a relationship so that you can direct yourself further into what a secure attachment style would do. My attachment style is so secure that I refuse to be in a relationship. You're avoidant. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Avoidant my ass. No, I mean. You're right. It's it's like it's an interesting because it, it kind of gives you a pie chart of what percentage of each attachment style you are. It's not like definitively you are one hundred percent doing this or not doing that. So it also shows you which like what percentage secure you are. So like it kind of it's one of those things where it's kind of helpful because it shows you what you are doing right. Um, I don't know. Look look into these quizzes. They're very that helpful. Is, that's really fascinating. And I'm going to add that to my to-do list right under planting false, <laughs> embarrassing moment memories in the heads of my child's yeah. nieces. You got to prioritize. Gorgeous. First, That'll be traumatize Thursday. your nieces. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Thursday at noon. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything you'd like to plug? 
Sure. Um, I primarily make YouTube videos on youtube.com. And <laughs> they're very good. I love your YouTube videos. Thank you. A lot of them are like very beauty focused. I have like an interest in like makeup and cosmetics. Um, I have realized recently it's very hard for me to talk about what I do on YouTube because I am embarrassed by it, which is a little weird because it is like a passion project of mine. It's also objectively cool. You yeah. have like how many you, you have like a hundred thousand subscribers, right? It's actually 90,000, but okay. <laughs> well, we're going to get you to, we're 100. rounding you Thank up. You. Um, yeah. also, I, I, I feel like people picture like James Charles when you say you're a beauty YouTuber and you're like, Tati Westbrook. yeah, you're oh, like Christ. very much like, I'm not, I don't really watch beauty channels, yeah, but I like yours, your videos that I watch yours are like, you. when you upload there, it's like, okay, I'm watching this before anything else. You're like one of my favorite channels. And it's yeah. not just because I know you in real, and no, I, we don't I even don't, know each other in real life. We've only ever talked on the internet. Isn't I, that crazy? Yeah, I don't know weird. you other than liking each other's <laughs> tweets and I liked your videos. So yeah, I, you know, they're very funny. Thank you. It's something that I'm trying to like own and be proud of. Like I was on a re- semi-recent date with Nick, uh, the fake name. <laughs> I almost said his real name, like possessive fake name. It's like, oh, blank's fake name. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm unraveling. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I had to be almost forced by my mother to tell him that I make YouTube videos. She was like, you should tell him. And I was like, I'll say it eventually, like when we've been married for a couple years and he's trapped. <laughs> um, and I told him that I make them, but refused to tell him what my username was. So baby steps well, anyway fine. you know boundaries yeah if you're interested in hearing more of my voice it's uh my username is nisi pisa it's n-i-s-i-p-i-s-a which is very hard for people to say and spell for some reason it'll um, be in the so description also perfect because the they'll need it <laughs> um so yeah that's where i am yeah and you've got a great twitter too and instagram same username right for yep both? i'm nisi yeah. pisa on every social media site except perfect we love consistency well thanks for coming on the pod and thanks for for your vulnerability we really appreciate it and i have had a lot of fun good if you ever want to talk about having small vaginas and being infertile dm me anytime (laughs) because it's kind of all i uh think about i literally hate talking to other people about it unless they too have experienced it or are experiencing it i can't wait to explore this yeah. yeah, same. You guys should start your own podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> the, okay, well, the Dime um, Ladies. We, the Dime Ladies. <laughs> That'll be the name of this episode. And then, <laughs> and then when you guys start your podcast, we'll like put it in the description of this episode okay, retrospectively. Backdoor pilot. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for taking the time. We really yeah. appreciate it. And it was so nice to talk to you. You're a true joy. You really are. Oh, you really, really are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.